My first guest this morning has been at the heart of the Irish and international film industry for over 35 years. Highly regarded in Hollywood, she's launched the careers of many big name actors in the business and she's recognised worldwide for her casting successes. On Dangan and County Kerry, however, is her home and next month she'll be there for the Dingle Distillery International Film Festival. Roz Hubbard, good morning to you. Good morning, Miriam, and thank you so much for having us on to talk about the festival. It's brilliant. I'm absolutely delighted. We're going to chat about your career in a moment, but tell me a little about the film festival. I know there are big plans for it next month. What's going to be happening, Roz? Well, it's taken four years to do a small festival because we kept getting locked down. But what we're doing is the old festival, which has been going for years, has separated into only an animation festival. So we are doing live action, documentaries, feature films, master classes, everything else in the world but animation. And you're trying to build it up, aren't you, Roz, to be, you know, a film festival of some renown? Yes, we want it to be taken seriously. We're starting quite small, two and a half days really equals three. But if we can be taken seriously, if we can show an educational interest in young filmmakers, we have a great school in Tralee, which is teaching the media and film courses. But also we've sponsored and have put in our one of our wonderful guys, Mark McLaughlin, who's a director, producer, in a training course which lasts a year or two years, I'm not quite sure, £250 for the students, virtually for nothing because we're helping to sponsor it. And you're going to be hosting as well at the Film Festival a one-day master's workshop. I think going through the whole casting process and also giving professional tips on, I suppose, qualities needed to make it in the business. Give us a flavour, Roz, of the kind of advice you'll be giving there. Well, luckily, John Sales, who's our wonderful American director, is doing the actual artistic, creative part of casting and auditions and surviving and acting. I'll be there and teaching them as you say, how to survive as an actor, how to cope with getting an agent, how to cope with getting rejected, how to keep going. Which is probably great advice you've had to give down the years. Listen, you, of course, you're a resident of beautiful Anthangan. It's a place that's been so long associated with big names and movies down the years. What do you think makes it such an attractive location for filming? Well, obviously it's the scenery, which is, some of the best in the world and very taking. But there is another magic in Dingle. It's a mystery quality where people come in and feel at home very quickly and want to come back and they don't even notice the love affair has started with it. Also, the locals are extremely supportive and cooperative when we are filming. When there's a shoot on, they're in there. They, they believe they're Hollywood. I suppose Ryan's Daughter maybe was the first film people will have heard of that, of course, was made there. And local people really got involved in that, didn't they, Roz? They did. And and it actually started a huge amount of interest in Dingle tourist-wise, but it, it really did put in the foundation stones for our film industry. And the sad part about Ryan's Daughter is there wasn't enough Irish casting in it because... There wasn't a setup for agents. There wasn't. You had to know which pub an actor drank in to get them up for an audition. They were mainly theatre actors in Ireland, or they went away. So that was the shortage there. But now we are brimming with brilliant actors. Even the film I'm doing at the moment, I've been gobsmacked by the standard of reads, self tapes that have come in 
from Ireland. What film are you doing at the moment? I know you're in London. I'm in London doing a film called God Spy, which is the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a very brave Lutheran minister in Germany. And he stood up to Hitler. He saw what was going to happen in the 30s. He stood up to to Hitler and to the Lutheran church and authoritative people in his own church and pleaded the case that everybody would look out and see what was happening. Unfortunately, he lost his life to Hitler. But um, it's a wonderful, beautiful story about a very brave, holy man. And I know it's being shot both in Belgium, but also in Limerick, isn't that right? Yes, they've actually built his childhood house there already. They, the director came over in the summer for his holliers because he's married to an Irish girl and he fell more and more in love with the idea of shooting there. Take us right back, Roz Hubbard. How did you get involved in this entire industry? First of all, where were you born? Where did you grow up? I was born in Renla, Dunville Avenue, and the shop my mother owned is still there, Rosalind's or Rosalind's as they all call it now. Wow, I know that. Sells school books. <laughs> As well. Yes, yeah. and they used to cover them for them. Yes, that's where I, I was born upstairs there. And then how did you get into this industry? You began as a modelling agent, is that right? Yes, I'd done a year in New York just learning a few ropes and came back, started a model agency with Christine Davis, who you probably know, and Simon Judd. And we made no money at all, but we had the most wonderful time. We were always out and about. And I learned a lot about how to work. How did you then become a casting agent, Roz? How did that come about? Well, I was in Dublin running the model agency with my partners and people would come in looking for casting, as simple as that. And I'd always been quite interested in the process, though it wasn't very developed in the 60s, which is when I was lurking around as a model agency. But they'd come in and say, we need some actors for this. And I would ring whatever contacts I had in the acting world it might be Hal Roach and say, do you know anybody who's like 52 and has false teeth and, uh, you know, can speak Danish, <laughs> whatever. And you'd, you'd just scout around and it became the abiding interest in me was casting. Then John arrived from England and encouraged me in every way. John's your husband, of course. Um, was he already a casting agent when no, you met? He, no, no, he's a big cheese in advertising. By the time I started to cast, I'd had the two children. And I decided to go back to casting, working at home. Uh, So he was around that. But he was disenchanted with advertising himself and wanted to work with actors, be involved in filming. And at the time, I was only doing commercials, which I have to admit, taught me how to cast because they're 30 seconds of serious hard work, mostly. (laughs) I don't do them now. More's the pity, they pay better. But I learned a lot by doing commercials. And then John gradually lost his love affair with advertising and said, because he was coming to the theatre maybe three times a week with me. And he said, I want to work with these people. You know, and he was very inspired by them. And I think then, was it in 82, you both founded Hubbard Casting? What was the first big project you worked on? It was The Commitments. That was amazing. Tell me, how did that come about and how did you find all those stars that became stars? We were found by a guy called Roger Randall Cutler, who was one of the uh, producers, but I'd known him for a couple of years working in London. And Alan Parker came from commercials, so he wasn't prejudiced against meeting somebody who only did commercials. So we went to the Groucho Club, met Alan, we'd read the script. 
and uh, I think we had um, we didn't drink all through the the commitments casting, but we drank the night of the interview, and the three of us were so nervous, which I only learned later that Alan was. We um, we drank too much vodka, but we got the job. Of casting the commitments. Of casting the commitments and spending three months in Dublin, which was magnificent, full of music groups, out every night to see little groups playing brilliantly, singing. The, the standard was incredible during the 80s in Dublin in music. Still is, I'm sure. Because the thing was, Alan Parker, isn't this right about the commitments? He wasn't interested in casting trained actors or Mm. people with stage experience. He wanted real people in the roles. But was that difficult then for you to do your job as a casting director? No, because it was in some ways much easier because he needed musicians so who better to play musicians than musicians our biggest casting problem was Joey the Lips played by the magnificent Johnny Murphy Mm. and he was shown on the first day would you believe but at least a month later we were still out there looking at big names who played the trumpet Johnny didn't play the trumpet he had every other quality needed for Joey the Lips and he just learned how to hold a trumpet and look right and hit the right Uh, bits of the trumpet to do it and he did a fantastic job god bless him he's gone to holy god now yeah he was wonderful anymore he was brilliant brilliant actor and then how did you find the three great female roles maria doyle kennedy angelina ball and brona gallagher because this is the brilliance of parker again he watches everything and he was watching even while people were waiting outside but these three girls each time they got a call back, seemed to be talking to each other and they hadn't known each other before. So they had formed the friendship that he really wanted as a natural ingredient in the film. And it was part of his decision. He could see the way they were at ease with each other. And they're all very different to each other as well. You've cast also really high-profile international movies, haven't you, over the years, from Lord of the Rings to The Da Vinci Code to Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Do you have a preference for any particular type of film? No, not really, because you're so curious about every script that comes in the door. We're not keen on doing ultra-violent films, graphic violence. Um, That said, I saw The Woman King the other night, which was graphic violence, but it was so inspiring with Viola Davis strutting around like a champion gymnast, muscles everywhere, strong leadership. But that was violence in warfare. But we don't like violence for violence's sake. I'm not sure we'd be terribly delighted with Marvel apart from making a lot of money and that's over for me now I'm at the wrong age for that but I think we love a story it's great to have a story I'm a bit sentimental and we like comedy we love comedy (laughs) and you're of course famed for spotting the talents of so many big names tell me when you first saw Colin Farrell and what you thought of him well, he came into the film centre in Dublin where we had a lovely office, little office, and we he came in just, he, as he says himself, I sure just threw myself into Hubbard's, and uh, we loved him. He obviously is very attractive, brilliant-looking, brilliant personality, funny, a proper Dubliner. Um, he's posher than he pretends, by the way. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we introduced him to an agent, Lisa Richards, in, in Dublin and... He was taken on and it didn't take him much time to convince the world how good he was. (laughs) Did you both, though, I know you said, you know, he looked good, but was there a magical quality to him when you first saw him? 
you've actually put your finger on the word that actually Parker used to. I, my whole life seems to be second 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 word is Alan Parker, but he's the one who first said it's the magic, isn't it? And that is the quality that he had, that Kate Winslet had, that Orlando has, and there's a few more we've discovered that they just have it. Oh, Saoirse, Saoirse Ronan, the most beautifully mannered, lovely, gentle. She's mature but not precocious, and that was when she was six, you know. <laughs> so, and she does call me Auntie Roz, and we love it. <laughs> How come she calls you Auntie Roz? And when you first met her, obviously you met her very young, and did you spot that she would be a star early on? I would say practically immediately because we knew her father, Paul Ronan, who didn't push her. He wasn't one of those pushy parents. He just gently introduced his daughter and they were lovely. But she sort of lit up the room in a very gentle, interesting way. And then, of course, you know she was nominated about nine for an Oscar. So there was no doubt and still isn't. And I see her in very public situations like at premieres and she is so mannerly and gentle and not pushy and not worried about people either. She's very confident. And how come she does call you Aunt Ross? Did you spend a lot of time with her? I did. She used to come down to Dingle for her holidays and she's a fabulous swimmer and she just grew into the family. We've we've had great crack together, great fun with the with the both families. And I think also I'm inclined to be a bit maternal with actors and she would be would not be left out because I've known her such a long time and I'd be minding her a little bit, mm. advising her, haven't cast her enough because she's gone into a realm of very, very hard to get, obviously. But uh, yeah, I just I used to advise her quite a bit and she would ask me things and I just became Auntie Roz. That's it. <laughs> You, and it's not just Irish stars. You're also credited Roz as having discovered Kate Winslet, Orlando Bloom, Sienna Miller, Jonathan Rhys Myers. The list goes on and on. When or where did you first spot Kate Winslet? Now, that was John's privilege. He was do, putting girls on tape for Heavenly Creatures. Kate came in and did the read uh, two scenes with John is the usual thing. We do two scenes because any more than that, they're not off the book. They get too nervous. It's too mixed up. And she got halfway through. No, she got through the first scene and John said, that's fine. That'll be all for today. That's lovely. Thank you. And Kate immediately said, what have I done wrong? Why aren't you reading the next scene? He said, Mm. I don't need to. You're going to meet Peter Jackson. Wow. Mm. So he just knew so quickly. Yeah, it, it, it's an instant hit, as you know, with her too. Mm. Right now, she's still as if she's starting every day again, freshly. And Orlando Bloom? Orlando was a pal of Dan Hubbard's. And again, he was working in London, growing up nicely. And then he wanted to be seen for Lord of the Rings. We, but by then, they were sharing the same Paul Smith suit. They were, he used to sleep on the floor in our house. Dan's and your son, obviously, is Dan's he? my yeah. son, who's also a caster now. <laughs> and he, he sort of said to, to Dan, how do I get in? How do I get seen? So Dan said, let's rehearse. So Dan got him an appointment Stayed up all night, I think, with them doing it. And Orlando came in and blew Peter Jackson and Fran away. Of course, Hollywood, Roz, has been rocked by the Me Too movement in recent years. And I know you did work for a time, I think, with Harvey Weinstein. What was your own experience of him? 
my own experience was business-like, hard to work for, very, very ambitious about who we were going to use, bit rude, but no incidents where he did the wrong thing. As far as I know, I think I would know I'm very nosy. No, no bad incidents around me. But I think, aren't you and haven't you always been very careful, Roz, that no one should ever see anyone they don't know, maybe without accompaniment? Absolutely. And the sort of films I've worked on, we've always been able to provide the luxury of a room, uh, of a room where there are other people. And I would uh, I would say it again and again, because people honestly believe people when they say it'll be fine, it'll be lovely, we'll have a cup of coffee. There are ugly people in every trade and there still must be people lurking in ours. The one thing now is everybody's on the lookout. There is more protection. Um, children have always been protected in Ireland and England because the chaperones are there. You, we prefer their mothers or their aunties. So a blood relation is best on the floor with the child. It happened more in the model agency where we weren't as um, as experienced and didn't think anything would happen with like a designer or anything. But there were incidents where girls would go and do fittings and the next thing there'd be nobody there and it would be inappropriate. No, No very serious abuse, but not acceptable behaviour. And the girls would come and tell us and we would just remove them from the job. Mm. What's been your biggest challenge, say, as a casting director over the years? Which movie? In Angela's Ashes, we couldn't find children who looked scary and famine-stricken, which was what the story was about. All the children in Limerick and Dublin and Cork and everywhere we went looked healthy, God bless them, and like little American kids. But we got there in the end. There's a stringy kid everywhere, somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find it sometimes tough? Because the nature of your job, Roz and John, is... You have to disappoint people, don't you? I mean, because casting is about selecting people over others. Is Does that yes. ever get easy? No. It's terrible with kids because they all come in and give their souls up and they get bribed now and again by their mummies going home and go to McDonald's. But it's terrible. It's the worst side of it to, mm. to actually... And now there's better manners in the business. We do have to ring the agents after auditions as soon as we know that we've got it cast, we're supposed to let the actors that came up or sent in self-tapes that they did not get it. And I think it is the hardest. Yeah. I mean, if truth be told, how many people do have that magical quality? I mean, do you ever look at a film that maybe you haven't cast and see somebody in the role and think X number of other people could probably have played that role just as well? Yes, and some of my own films would include that. The first thing is to talk about the leads because very big names are needed in films to finance them. We have people called the sales agents and they really rule the roost because I think they're responding to audience taste in that the audience wants to see familiar top faces in films. We're always trying to get an unknown in the lead and then now and again you see a very big star miscast in a film because of this need for a star in the title. You can't make a good actor. It's God-given, that gift. But you can try very hard to get the right one in the parts. For anyone listening this morning, Roz, who has their heart set on becoming an actor, 
what advice would you give them? I mean, is it still a really tough business to make it in? I mean, you come across the ones that do make it because you cast Mm. them. But Mm. for a whole lot of other people, I assume it's really tough. I think it's very tough. And my first advice to anybody, children of friends, grandchildren of friends, I say don't immediately because you live in a negative situation. You know, you're always up against somebody else for the job. You have to do it before you get it. That's what auditions are about and self-tapes. And that's drumming up your 100% to do. But it is still a wonderful atmosphere to work in. And to be around that magic is privilege for us. And it's very good for children, for instance, to do drama classes just to get out of themselves. Leave it out. You don't have to be an actor. But a bit of training never hurt anybody. What about the pressure on women, I suppose, to look a certain way? I mean, the feeling in the past was that, you know, once you hit 40, you were finished. But that is changing, isn't it, Roz? It definitely is. I mean, we can start at the older ones like Meryl Streep and Helen Mirren. But uh, there's other younger people. There's Toni Collette. Look at the work she's Mm. doing. She plays character roles. She doesn't have to go around looking glam, glam, glam. And she wows people. You know, there's Nicole Kidman. She's well over 40 and looking great. Kate Blanchett, Julia Roberts, Viola Davis, I mentioned already. Jamie Lee Curtis. They're all working. What the older actress needs to realise is with the glamour going and with the push to look fantastic, they have the chance to do great parts, great drama parts. So that's where they aim themselves is at the acting. And that's what men aim themselves in the first place at, usually, Mm. is acting. And I think they have to turn it around and make it an advantage to get older and know what they know about life and put it into their parts. Over 35 years, I think, in the business now, Roz, do you like it? As much, do you still find it exciting? And how much longer do you think you'll stay in casting? Not too much longer. It's very, very hard work. And there is an age where it's not dignified to be walking around with a clipboard and, you know, pretending you're 20. And of course, as you you mentioned Dan, your son, earlier. So it's not just you and John, your husband in the business. I think Amy Hubbard as well. Amy does loads of television here and Dan does more film. But they are now switching it around. Dan is beginning to do more telly and Amy's going into film. Uh, she, She was all on... Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Dan was on The Bourne Identity for years. They've, they've kind of had to eat and drink the darn business anyway. So, yeah. Did you try to dissuade them from going into the family business? Of course. I thought Amy would be a top lawyer. She did history and then law. Um, but she snuck into the business. And Dan was wilder. He went to school in Ireland, went off and worked on a film with John Sayers. I think he got sent home for bad behaviour. But now he's a very sensible 47-year-old. <laughs> And he works with Guy Ritchie all the time, you know. Now, I know you're in London at the moment because you're working, but you also have a home in Ondangan, don't you, Roz? Yeah, and we live there. We're facing the Atlantic. We have a lovely house. And I'm dying to get back to it after this film. And after the festival, we can all relax. Well, look, it's been my great pleasure to chat to you this morning, Roz, and the Dingle Distillery International Film Festival. It's taking place from November the 11th to the 13th and tickets are going to be available via eventbrite.ie. That's B-R-I-T-E. That's eventbrite.ie from November the 1st. Roz Hubbard, thanks so much for being my guest this morning. Thank you very much, Miriam. Thanks for having us. 
And lots of lovely reaction, Roz, to your interview. The film critic, the great film critic, John McGuire, says, fascinating interview with casting legend Roz Hubbard this morning. Another says, hi, Miriam, tell Roz, it's the parents of would-be actors who need the lessons and resilience since my heart breaks again and again when my beautiful son, now 24, who's passionate about acting, gets rejected. That's from the mom. Unan Monhan says, I was one of those who auditioned for Roz in the mansion house for the commitments. I queued for hours with so many others. I'd never done anything like it before, but what a great experience. I'll bring you one more from Lizzie. Hi, Miriam. What a wonderful interview with Roz. I had the pleasure of meeting her during the search for Scarlet in the 1990s. She was a lady and I knew I didn't have a chance of being successful, but it was a great experience nonetheless. And Dorothy Malloy says, glued to the radio this morning as I'm cleaning. Roz was just lovely on Mary McCall. That That's Roz Hubbard, of course. Could listen to her life stories all day long.